0: Welcome to the Holistic Health Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Nicholson, crime scene investigator turned functional health investigator. This podcast is here to share bite sized episodes and unique interviews on a wide variety of health topics to empower, enlighten, and educate you to live your best, most vibrant life. Disclaimer all information you hear on this podcast is for information only and constitutes individual opinions of the person speaking this should not be taken as medical advice. Being a listener of this show does not initiate a practitioner-client relationship between you and the hosts or panelists on this show. Please discuss these topics with your medical professionals before making any changes to your health. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome back to the Holistic Health Bites podcast. Today, we are going to talk a little bit about sports medicine and A really interesting transition with my special guest, Dr. Dustin Vaughn. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Will you just kind of introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your story and how you went from firefighter to integrative practitioner working in sports medicine.
1: Sure thing. Okay. So I was obviously a firefighter. I spent uh, decades in Western medicine and now, now Eastern traditional Chinese medicine. Um, Basically, I tell people that I figuratively and literally got tired of putting band-aids on people. Um, I made the transition because a lot of the senior guys that I was working with, you know, unfortunately, people don't realize the risk versus benefit analysis that firefighters have to go through on a day-to-day basis of whether or not the job is worth it. uh, Because it does take its toll on your body. Um, So I was looking at other uh, colleagues of mine uh, that were firefighters and paramedics, and they were making a transition into PA. So physician's assistant, I think now it's dubbed as physician's associate, still PA. Um, but they were all making those transitions and looking forward to going to different schools to to do that, uh, where I was considering what I wanted to be when I grew up and um, was looking at different opportunities and options. PA school was one of them, nurse practitioner was another. Um, but I remember that I had great experiences in acupuncture in years past, uh, helping me through my sports-related injuries. And I chose to go that route because as an as a acupuncture physician here in Florida, I'm a primary care, so PCP. Um, I can do my the scope of practice is pretty broad. I can do a lot of really cool things, um, which we'll probably talk about here in a little bit. But that's how I chose acupuncture. I had really good experiences. They helped me when other doctors couldn't. And um, they were able to get to the underlying cause and fix that, which, of course, helped my symptoms to go away, which was kind of my my theory and my methodology for treatment. Oh, that's so cool.
0: I I think so many of us get into our respective fields because of our own health transition. So it's not surprising that that was also true for you.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I worked in forensic science for 15 years, so I also understand the stress of other careers and why you might make a transition from yeah. a stressful, difficult career into something more positive and helpful and happy. And yeah, all the things so I think that's, <laughs> exactly like, we have similar stories from different career fields, but yeah, absolutely. So what are some of your like favorite things that you really like working with or your favorite techniques? Or do you have a particular kind of injury that you really like to work with?
1: Well, I see I see a lot of back pain because that is a pretty much a number one complaint, I would say. Um, a lot of people have low back pain, mid back pain. Um, I do work well with that. I've helped a lot of people with sciatica and, and low back pain in general. However, I do see so many people with uh, joint pain, like shoulder pain or knee pain. And I talk about those three things really a lot. uh, And I can do some really cool things with them from acupuncture is obviously one of many modalities that I have to treat. Um, I do a lot of uh, injection therapies. Uh, They're all natural. They're plant-based and those injection therapies help to suppress things like arthritis, arthrosis. There's just a lot of types of itises and osises that I can start naming off, but most people don't care. Um, It's just inflammation, right? So when we're talking about that inflammation, inflammation typically causes pain and that causes a hindered, movement. So I my grandfather uh is well both of my grandfathers actually kind of steered me into the path that I chose. Um well one of my grandfathers he hurt his back doing something as simple as pulling his western style boot on, hurt his back, that back injury unfortunately caused him to live a sedentary life and that sedentary life unfortunately that's what we talk about a lot is that uh movement is medicine. So he wasn't able to move because it hurt. So unfortunately a lot of health conditions started to pile on. Uh, of course, he was taking lots of different medications and those medications had side effects. And then some of those side effects, unfortunately, caught up with him and, and he's no longer with us now. But if, if I was in a position that I am now where I could have helped him to maintain that movement and continue to move, because he was a very active person, him and my grandmother both, then I don't know, but I may have been able to prolong his life or help him to navigate a smoother, healthier life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Losing physical capabilities is such a major factor in declining age or declining health as we age. It it makes such a big difference when people lose their ability to be active and do the things they want to do.
1: Yeah. And I guess I'm sorry if I didn't answer your question properly, but yeah, I do. I do see a lot and I do enjoy working with knee pain and shoulder pain as well as low back pain.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the things that you see people are doing in their daily lives that are maybe causing some of those
1: ailments or issues? That's a loaded question with a complicated (laughs) answer. So there's, um, I do have a real conversation with a lot of patients, uh, because I, when I did get my doctorate, I went back and I was diving into research and doing a lot of what I needed to do, uh, for the program but I was trying to focus on the things that would be most relative to me in my practice. And something as simple as we talk about knee pain, there's so many people in America that have knee pain and knee problems. Um, One of the things that I'm real with patients about is that 10 pounds of body weight alone, just 10 pounds of weight. If you were to lose that 10 pounds, that's 40 pounds of force on your knee. So if you multiply that, you're looking at maybe, maybe you need to lose 20 pounds. Now that's 80 pounds of force. So And this doesn't have to be a short-term goal. It can be a long-term, you know, a marathon, not a sprint. But that's something that's very, I would say, common in a lot of people because, you know, we could all probably, uh, fair to lose a few pounds.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And it, you know, 10 pounds, that doesn't seem like that monumental of a goal. And yet that's a huge impact, 40 pounds or 80 pounds. If it's on both sides, like that's a lot.
1: For sure. Yeah. It's 40 it pounds of difference. force on your one knee. And that's, there's, I mean, I have research to back it up on peer reviewed from PubMed. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I tracked down, there's just a lot of really cool things. So I did a presentation on that, uh, in my doctorate program on, on just that simple fact of, you know, most people to alleviate some of that pain, that's 40 pounds of force. I mean, if you already have a bad knee or your knees causing you issues, then that's a significant reduction in pain and, and probably, um, a healthier, easier movement.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think anyone who's ever actually lost 40 pounds would know that just from the weight loss that they, their whole body feels different, but even 10 pounds makes a huge difference. That's so amazing.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So what are some other things? Like, I know you mentioned people being sedentary and obviously a lot of us are now computer workers and we sit all day long. Are there other things that like contribute to you know we have poor posture we cross our legs like some of these things are those also contributing a lot to this
1: Oh absolutely um I talk a lot about that I talk a lot about the anatomy and the anatomical positioning of how your computer desk is where your mouse is carpal tunnel syndrome low back pain because of the way you're sitting at your computer desk maybe it's not the right chair for you maybe it's not the right height for you whatever I talk a lot about that but um, another very important position that we're in, hopefully for six or eight hours a day is sleeping mm-hmm. and the way you sleep and the way you're positioned while laying down, you know, there's t- several positions. Some people are stomach sleepers, side sleepers, or back sleepers. Um, I can pick apart every single one of the positions. Uh, there are some different techniques and tricks that we can do to help to alleviate some of that stress on our low back when we're sleeping or on our shoulder when we're sleeping or even your neck. So that's where I talk a lot about with patients and, I ask, I would probably say 99% of them. How do you sleep?
0: Right. Well, it's such a big deal. And so many people like their biggest pains or their biggest injuries come from sleeping. Mm -hmm. You wake up sore. You you can't turn your head. Like, it's crazy that you can get so messed up sleeping.
1: Like I have a patient of mine that um, tore his shoulder sleeping. Oh, geez. So, (laughs) yeah, there's, there's lots of things can happen. Oh, that's nuts.
0: So what are some things that people can do like throughout the day? If you have a computer job or, you know, a pretty sedentary day job, you know, what can you do to kind of minimize some of those things? Obviously having your computer set up and those kinds of things that you mentioned, but are there stretches? Are there exercises? What can people do?
1: Well, I mean, just simply, simply put just movement. I mean, try okay. to, try to make a break, try to get up every hour, try to get up and move around a little bit. Maybe, maybe it might mean, you know, do some pushups, maybe do some sit-ups, maybe just walk around the house. Just something as simple as that. Some people aren't, aren't inclined to do those couple things or light exercises, but at least get up and move around because sitting, what what was the, uh, there's uh something new, a new phrase that people were now saying that, you know, sitting, sitting is the new, um, I'm sorry, forgive me because I can't remember the saying, but it was, it was bad basically, meaning that, you know, it's the new terrible thing to do is sit. And people are realizing that because the sedentary life and the sedentary, you know, work life, unfortunately, we all have to have to do that. But if you can get up and just move around a little bit, get that blood flowing a little bit, because that's going to help you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something like sitting is the new smoking.
1: Yeah, that's what something it was. Something like that, where it's like, <laughs> thank yeah, you.
0: <laughs> it's such a, such an innocuous thing. And yet it has a tremendous impact in your overall, overall health. And so many people think exercise is just about like being fit and ripped and strong and all the things. And yeah, of course that plays into it. But if you can't get up and move because you've lost your physical capabilities, your knee hurts too bad, your back hurts too bad. Like those, that's changing your entire life.
1: It's not sure. just about being ripped, absolutely.
0: But also having the muscle is also protecting your bones. It's managing your blood sugar. Like there's so many other factors that play in. This isn't just about, you know, being physically capable to like play sports. This is well,
1: literally, absolutely. Your life. And and the, the the misconception is you don't have to go to the gym and pound a bunch of heavy weights. You don't have to be that big strong guy. Right. Um, some people some people want that, and that's okay. But as far as just maintaining some overall like skeletal muscles and some overall muscular health, I guess, because as we age, things atrophy. And if you don't use it, you lose it. So something simple that like rubber band work, uh, there's lots of different things on the internet. I say YouTube is a is a great source, but it can also be detrimental if you pick the wrong person and follow them and do something you shouldn't. Then you're going to come see me because you hurt yourself. So I, I tell people that, you know, there are little, little things that we can do. I'm not a physical therapist. I was a personal trainer. I'd have worked in, um, fitness and fitness realm. I was a coach, a running coach and Olympic lifting. So I've just done so much. And I was an athlete myself and I, I have a lot of things that I can help people to just navigate that, that shoulder health, because a lot of times, unfortunately, as we age and we don't use some of these shoulder muscles, we don't work out. We don't do something, you know, simple little exercises They can help to maintain our shoulder girdle stability, and that'll keep things where they're supposed to be because your shoulder joint is literally held in place with muscles. And if those muscles atrophy, then your shoulder joint could be compromised. And then you're sleeping in an awkward position. That's another compromise and so on and so forth. So there's just a lot of things that can help us just by maintaining just a little bit of movement, a little bit of activity. Doesn't have to be an hour long session at the gym. It could be something as simple as, you know, five or 10 minutes at home here and there.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really simple tip that people can really take away is, you know, set an alarm and get up and just move for a couple minutes, stretch, mm-hmm. walk, go up and down the stairs, do something, but just, it doesn't have to be this big formal thing. You don't have to join a gym and drive across town and hire a trainer and do all the things. Just move, just be mm-hmm. active.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember, you know, years ago when I was a child, I remember my grandmother was soup cans doing some, you know, exercises in the kitchen. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's all you have to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it you don't even have to list anything. You've got your body. There's so much you can do with just your body. Mm hmm just move. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. Are there other like mistakes that you see people making either in trying to repair an injury or, you know, get stronger or just things that people are doing in their, you know, everyday lives that are contributing to the decline of their physical body?
1: Um, well, I'd say that a lot of people, you know, the internet, like I said, is a great source of information. However, it's also a bad source because, some people will find something, you know, you'll Google search back pain or you'll Google search and you'll find exercises that might help you if you had a specific type of back pain or a specific issue that was causing your back pain. However, if you're starting to do things and self-prescribe uh, exercises and self-prescribe, you can actually do more harm. And I don't want to see people get hurt. You know, and I tell people if it hurts, don't do it. It's not that kind of pain you want to push through. Um, our minds are sometimes stronger than our body. And that's where we have to be careful. Uh, doing certainly the exercises that we might find on the internet. You know, like I said, YouTube is a great source of information, but it can also be detrimental if you do something you shouldn't.
0: Yeah. I think that's so true in all of the health fields. I mean, you can certainly Google nutrition information or supplement information or medicine information and do way more harm than good. Just because you find it online does not mean it's reputable. So I think that's good advice, regardless of what you're looking up. And that's probably true in in things outside of health as well. Like we we really do have to take the source into consideration when we're taking advice from a random person on the internet (laughs) (laughs) and even a credentialed person. Like there's, there's people who have, you know, PhDs or doctorates or whatever, and they have a bias behind what they're saying. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right advice for you. So definitely use caution when finding stuff on the internet.
1: Absolutely. If it's on Google, it doesn't mean it is true.
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, you can find a million opinions on Google and there's probably a lot that are uh, more harmful than good. So in your work, do you have a clinic? Do do people exclusively come see you in person? Do you also work online? How does your business work?
1: So I am in person. Um, It's hard to do movement screenings and you know, ne- neurological assessments and ortho assessments online, uh, it can be done, but it's difficult. I do everything in person. Uh, there was a time that I was doing, uh, telehealth visits and those are just for sick patients. I still do those every now and then, um, because I do specialize in sports medicine. I am trained classically trained, I say, but I'm trained to treat everything. Yeah. Um, however, my specialty is in movement and mobility sports medicine, I tell the misconception with sports medicine, first off is that, um, it's only for athletes and it's not, it's for anybody that has pain upon movement. You know, if it hurts when you move it, that's where I help. Um, I do see a lot of athletes. I do see, you know, professional athletes and Olympic athletes, but I do see also the octogenarians and the geriatric patients that just have knee pain. That's limiting what they can do. Okay. But yeah, I only see in person because it's really hard for me to, you know, give an acupuncture session or injection therapy. Online.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You do kind of have to be present for those needles. Yep. And where are you located?
1: I am in Claremont, Florida. Okay. Um, Just about 25, 30 minutes west of downtown Orlando. Okay. A lot of people know where Orlando is. So that's why I absolutely use that as a landmark.
0: Yeah. So, for everyone who doesn't maybe live near you, can you give any advice or recommendations to maybe find someone that does work like you do, or that can, you know can help them with whatever their physical ailment is in their local area? What you know, their questions they should ask or certifications they should look for.
1: Um. Well, basically, so if you're looking for an acupuncture physician, then you can you can go on NCOM's website, NCCAOM. You can click on find a provider and hopefully find someone nearby. Then you want to probably look at their credentials, see what they do. Um, and it's all based on what you're looking for really. But if you're looking for somebody that's going to help you with the things that I do, then try to find somebody that has a sports background, try to find somebody that has an athletic degree or, or some, something that's going to help you them to help you better. Um, but NCCAOM is going to at least give you a diplomat of Oriental Medicine or a diplomat of Acupuncture that that is credentialed in that way, that that you can find them that way.
0: Okay, yeah, that's great. I think you know that's much better than just Googling. So having you know at least a reputable source to go to is a big help for a lot of people.
1: A lot of people nowadays are using things like Facebook, Facebook mm-hmm. to find a provider because they ask questions and hear from their peers. And mm-hmm. sure, that's a good that's a good resource, I guess, to use.
0: Yeah, it certainly works, especially if you have a personal recommendation, but, you know, it's not all that different than Google, where you can also get not so healthy advice (laughs) on social media.
1: (laughs) And and there is a difference also when you're looking at acupuncture and dry needling. That's a common misconception is when people see their chiropractors, they think that they've gotten acupuncture because they call it acupuncture. Well, they have a certification in acupuncture typically. Uh, So I don't want to dime them all out because some of them have gone through um, a traditional acupuncture school, and they have, they come out as an acupuncture physician and a chiropractor. So there are some of those, there's not many, but there are some, but typically dry needling is much. And I want to tell that people that the dry needling is completely different than acupuncture because they're both useful. Dry needling can help. However, acupuncture works on your nervous system and acupuncture does a lot more. That's where I can treat something like low back pain from points on your ankles and your wrists. Okay. As well as your low back, but people don't realize that like, you know, I get people on the table, they get going, they may have had acupuncture quote unquote, big air quotes there from their chiropractor and you know, where they had 80 hours, maybe at the most 200 hours in acupuncture needling where I have, you know, 2,500 plus hours and wow. I'll get them on the table. And, you know, I've already explained how acupuncture works, talking about the meridians, talking about how the body works and the nervous system works. And then, I start with things on their ankle and they're like, Hey, it's, it's not my ankle. It's my low back that hurts. And I have to re- remember, we just talked about that. <laughs> and these points are actually very influential for your low back. It's almost like I'm priming your nervous system before I actually work on your low back. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah. So basically these points send a signal to your brain that then sends a signal to your low back that almost prepares your body before I actually get in there and start working on your low back. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Okay. That's exactly the difference, right? So yeah
0: that is, it is a big difference and i I definitely think there's a lot of misconceptions around dry needling and acupuncture and what the differences are, and you know what the benefits are for one over the other, or you know all the things. I think a lot of people do think that they're the same, but clearly they're mm-hmm. not for sure, so is it just a difference in training level, or is it actually are the needles different? are the placements different? Like the
1: two techniques? Um, yes and yes. So okay. the training is different. Um, obviously I had, it's, you know, 2,500 plus hours uh, in acupuncture, learning the points, learning what they do. Each point actually has an indication, you know, so there's, there's a traditional number of points. It's about 350 points, 400 points on the body. Um, each one of those points have an indication, just like a pharmaceutical medication would have an indication. Um, they also sometimes have contraindications. So they also have to look at anatomy. What's the anatomy behind the point? Where's you know, what's is there a vessel back there? Is there a lung back there? So there's all these different things that we need to know about the points alone. Um, so that's why there's so much time invested. Whereas to get a certification uh to do acupuncture by chiropractors and, and as and physical therapists are about, I want to say 80, 80 hours. I think it's like a four weekend course, if I'm not mistaken. So the amount of time is obviously much less. They don't get the time to understand the points, understand what things do. They just know that. And I, and I'm sorry, I I haven't taken one of their certification classes, so I'm not exactly sure what's all in it, but it's only 80 hours. And in that time you have to also learn how to place the needles. So I would assume that, you know, you're not going to get into, um, the depth and the, you know, the, of what the points do and how you can help the nervous system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense that it's a completely different thing. And yeah, it would make sense that you haven't gone through their training because you have much higher level training. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. It's definitely a modality. I don't know a ton about myself, but I know so many people are tremendously benefited by acupuncture. So I definitely think it's a modality that everyone should look into, especially for pain, but also for, you know, not necessarily in your world, but anxiety and depression and kind of the mental health side of things. I know so many people have been so tremendously helped by acupuncture. So I think finding a reputable, well-trained you know, highly skilled practitioner is always, um, recommended no matter what modality you're looking for.
1: Absolutely. I've worked, I mean, I work, uh, synergistically with mental health counselors and at times, uh, chiropractors, physical therapists, you know, we do work very well together and we have a great working relationship. Uh, it'd be great if we were all under the same roof, but we're not. Um, so we actually have to go from building to building, but it is, um, uh, very, very complementary as far as the different treatment paths like the different treatment plans and everything like that. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I, there is no like one system that's going to work for all conditions, all people. So I think having that complementary relationship is a really good thing so that, you know, you can get the benefits from all the different modalities and the likelihood is you won't get all the different modalities from any one practitioner. So being able to kind of find that mm-hmm. team of practitioners that can cover all the bases is really important. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, any other kind of parting words for everybody before we wrap this up? Um, uh,
1: well, I mean, I know we were talking a little bit about it, uh, about different injection therapies that I do. Um, that sounds like a daunting tale. Most people hear that and they get scared. They've had cortisone shots, or maybe they've had other injection therapies that may or may not have worked. And unfortunately those tend to be a little bit painful or a lot painful. Um, I do all of my injection therapies are natural. Everything I do is either natural homeopathic, nutraceutical vitamins, minerals. I do have an IV lounge as well. Um, again, everything there is, is minerals or vitamins. Um, nothing synthetic, nothing pharmaceutical. Um, with the cortisone shots, a lot of people that have had those shots, they know that they, some of them may have gotten some relief. Um, but it does come with a side effect and, Some people know of those side effects, you know, those things that can degrade different things like, you know, soft tissue, tendons, ligaments, joints, Um, whereas my injections are not painful in that regard and they specifically work on inflammation. So like that, that arthritis or osteoarthritis, um, mainly, mainly any kind of inflammation. Uh, I see a lot of tendinopathies. I see a lot of Achilles tendonitis, um, you name it. There's just different types of itises and is again, inflammatory. Um, but I have a, I also have a CEU class coming up on September 9th. I've, I've been trying to keep these up and running about once a month. So if you're not able to come to the September 9th one, but you want to get in on one of my Acupoint injection therapy for sports medicine classes, then just keep an eye on the website, keep an eye on the postings, and you'll see as we continue to roll out more and more classes throughout the rest of the year.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's a great resource for anybody that wants to, you know, stay up on this stuff and and get those continuing ed credits. I think that's a fantastic thing that you offer. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we will definitely link up all of your information in the description. And so people can just easily click over to your stuff and find out more about you and all of the things. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today and just all the information on where people are going wrong and what their options are and that you know, there's hope there's, there's hope and you can do simple things. So thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure being here. It was a pleasure talking with you.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you again on future episodes. Thanks for being a faithful listener to the podcast. I'd love it if you left me a five-star review on this podcast so that others can more easily find this valuable information. Did you know I also work one-on-one with clients I approach solving health challenges like I approached solving crimes, by conducting a thorough investigation into your case. Sadly, hundreds of millions of people in the US have insulin resistance, pre-diabetes and diabetes, and the vast majority have no idea. I'm here to fix that. If you struggle with low energy, stubborn weight, hypertension, sleep disturbances, or any other undesired symptoms, let's talk. All you have to do is schedule a free call. The link will be in the show notes and no, you do not need to live near me.